Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Talk to nicely. Night fell over the rotting city. While walking back to my apartment, a laugh like a demented clown's echoed down a dimly lit street behind me. I wanted to look back and check it out, but I didn't bother. The city had its fair share of crazy days and nights. As a reply to the laugh, a woman shrieked, then began sobbing. She told the laughing man to stop and come back to his senses. She begged him to put it down, yet he continued laughing. This sick exchange continued for a few more seconds. A loud bang cut through the fabric of the night. A heavy thud followed. The woman screamed again. She asked him why. There was no answer to that question. Then it all went silent for a few seconds. I sighed, dejected. The city had its drink that night on the house. Hope for a better life faded away with each second that passed in that sickly, cancerous, and deathly pale godforsaken place. Violence and death had been taking over. The drug and sex addicts filled the streets each night on end and the city had fallen in love with what it saw. It feasted on the degeneracy of humankind. Those streets reeked of bad decisions and sorrow. I heard a dog bark. They say dogs bark out of nowhere when they feel a threat approaching. The pale moon watched over me as I took a right turn to enter my apartment building. Before going in, I looked around for a moment. Death had embraced these tall, gray buildings too. Only a handful of apartments had their lights on. I entered the building. An older man sat slouched in a corner. He smelled like urine, and his teeth shone with a sick, brown-yellowish hue. His ragged jeans had a large stain on them. He shook a paper cup with a few coins in it. Some spare change, mister? He asked. Not tonight, sorry, I replied. His blue eyes burned bright as if he was sick. I wasn't afraid, but there was something in them. Maybe it was his life story, perhaps a secret. I didn't want to find out because I didn't care. Fuck that city and everyone in it. He's coming tonight, you know, he asked me. How the fuck do you know that? I spat at him, kicking his cup. I grabbed him by the collar of his dirty shirt. How do you know he's coming? The man began shaking. He pissed himself again. The hate I had for that city grew bigger. I hated it with whatever soul I had left inside of me. I've been here long enough to see the demons, man. I had them, and my pops had them. 
And now, I see you're haunted by them too. They torment you on the inside, don't they? You hate this city with whatever soul you have left inside of you, don't you? He asked. Then he smirked. How the fuck do you know that, old man? I asked him. Now I was the one shaking. I pushed him against the wall. Speak, or so help me. You remind me of a younger me, man. Pissed off at the world and full of self-hatred. I hated this cesspool of nauseating sickness, too. It's like a hydra, you know? You cut off one of its heads and two more appear in its place, he answered. Last chance, old man, I told him. It doesn't fucking matter, Matthew. It doesn't matter how I know what you think, or how I know your name, or how I know what the night will bring. Do you want to know how you can stop him? Jesus Christ! Does it get any worse than this? What the fuck is wrong with this place? Fuck! I said, irritated. I can tell you that I am not who I seem to be. I'm not a hobo, bozo, or a degenerate drunk. I am only hiding. Homeless people go unnoticed most of the time. That's what I want. The city doesn't care about homeless people. That's why I needed to blend in. I needed the city to forget me for a little while. I met him too, you know. Fifty years ago when it took my father, he said. Tears welled in his eyes. Then he drifted away to another time in another story. Throughout my life, I got good at reading people, and this guy was telling the truth. So, I decided to go with my gut and trust him. It might have been my only chance to get rid of him. You think you can make him go away? I can't remember the last time I had a decent night's sleep, and I know that he's just playing now. But what if he wants more in the end? I asked the filthy old man. Friends like him always want more. He is only teasing you right now. He's like an apex predator, playing with its prey until he gets bored. Then, he'll kill you. Don't you doubt that. Now, can I take a shower at your place? I'll tell you more upstairs. So much more, he said, shaking his backpack. I have some cool things in here for him. I think we have a chance of catching the son of a bitch once and for all, he added. His face lit up. For the first time in forever, a glimmer of hope shone through the darkness that lived inside me. All right, what's your name? I asked him. Elijah. Wish we could meet under different circumstances, boy. You remember this. It will be scary. It will be painful and you'll never forget it. This whole experience right here, it will stick with you forever. You might have nightmares about it, but you will be free of him. Now, let's go, he said, getting up. Damn, I need a shower. I pressed the elevator button. It dinged. I opened the door and hit three. Elijah got in first. He looked deplorable, poor old man. To think that a few minutes before, I'd almost beat the shit out of him. It made me sick. But that was the effect the city had on people. 
It made us spiteful, filled us with hatred, and taught us to look out only for ourselves. This city built a personal hell for everyone. Those cursed apartments were assigned to us like cages for beasts. So to say that we lived was an overstatement. We walked around numb, like zombies, to places where we thought we needed to be, to our monotonous jobs that never provided satisfaction. Because of that, we put our dreams in second place and focused on other things. I got out of the elevator. The first thing I saw was a guy trying to enter his apartment. He lived in 23. He struggled to find the lock. I helped him. He reeked of whiskey, and his breath smelled like roadkill under the hot summer sun. Thanks, dude. It's been a hard night. I fought with my girlfriend the fifth time this week. She says I drink too much and that I get violent. Who doesn't drink in this fucking city, am I right? Thanks for helping me. I think I'm going to sleep now, he said, barely finding the energy to phrase his sentences. Take it easy, man. It'll be all right in the morning, I replied. He didn't say anything. He went inside and shut the door behind him. Odd fellow. But in the end, it's like I told you. We all have our demons. The very ghosts that haunt us in different shapes and forms. They infect our minds and poison our souls. To that guy, it's the bottle, Elijah said, scratching his unkempt beard. It's sad being like that, I said. I felt my muscles tense and my mind got blurry. The hallway seemed longer than usual. In the city's putrescent, moldy smell floated in the air. It was embedded in the walls too. I heard mice squeaking inside them. Were they laughing at me? Or were they talking about eating my remains after I died? Paranoia revolved inside my head. Don't let it take over, man. Keep your head straight, Elijah said. I nodded. There were so many questions I needed to ask him. I'm trying. Do you have some food to spare, Matthew? I need to get my strength back up before we start, Elijah said. Anything you need. Listen, sorry for earlier. I get like that sometimes. The frustration, stress, and the thought I'm good for nothing take over everything else. And I feel like my mind will explode into a million pieces. I replied with a hoarse voice. It's okay, man. Maybe it was a lesson for you. And next time you won't let it happen. Maybe you'll help those in need. Do it for you. And do it to piss off the city with a good deed, huh? He said, smiling. I nodded and unlocked the door to my apartment. Nothing fancy inside. One bedroom, one small living room, a kitchen where I could barely breathe, and one bathroom. At least I had something over my head. I'll get you fresh clothes and towels, Elijah. I have some leftover beef noodles from last night. I'll throw them in the microwave if you want, I told him. I went into the kitchen and got a trash bag to throw away his clothes. Then I took a pair of jeans, new socks and underwear, a t-shirt and a flannel shirt for him to wear after washing. He'd walked so much in his boots that he couldn't wear them anymore. What shoe size do you wear, old man? I'm a good nine and a half. Been meaning to get rid of these darn things. Didn't have the money, though. Don't worry. I'm nine and a half, too. I'll get you some sneakers. Thanks, man. 
I appreciate you. It's the least I can do. But you need to tell me everything before we do it. I need to know. Of course, Matthew. He went inside the bathroom. He let the shower run and whistled a song. In that city, nights had always been restless and sleepless. And there was a reason why. The haunter of my dreams appeared for brief visits from time to time. Once a week, he would make his presence known. He liked to make sure I didn't forget he was still there. Things got worse with each visit. He let me get to sleep and then invaded my mind. He played with me like I was a puppet. I didn't understand what he was. He never showed himself. I only knew he was there. He might have been a fiend, a wraith, a demon, or whatever kind of evil spirit. Sometimes he rendered me unable to move. Maybe it was just my brain inducing me into deep sleep paralysis to which I submitted, whether I liked it or not. Then I could feel him sitting in a corner of the room, watching my every move, ready to attack. Sometimes I heard him laugh. Other times he crawled up onto my bed and breathed in my ear. Or he caressed my arm with his sharp nails, leaving me on the verge of a heart attack. It was just as Elijah said, a predator versus easy game. He wanted to drive me insane and hurt me and make me afraid. And he saved the best for last, my death by his hands. He would visit me for the fifth time that night. The worst had happened one week before and I'd ended up choking and gasping. He wouldn't let me open my eyes. I felt his hands around my throat. At first, he just moved his fingers, caressing the skin. Then, I felt his fingers elongating. He had touched my skin with his nails, pushing slowly into it. Then he squeezed around my throat, gently at first. Then the squeezing got harder and harder. Come morning, I had woken up with dark purple bruises on my neck, like I'd had a noose around it. I knew that when the nightmare began, there was nothing I could do to stop him. He would make me suffer. He would enjoy it. He had been controlling the whole thing. The master of my newly fabricated reality. The emperor of my nightmares. The shower turned off and the singing stopped. After a few more minutes, Elijah came out of the bathroom looking a few years younger. The miraculous effects of taking a hot shower, I thought. A peachy aroma overwhelmed the stale air in the room. It swayed gently through it. I inhaled it and felt like spring was just around the corner. Feels great, man. I feel brand new, Elijah said. His eyes lit up, and I took that as another ray of hope in that otherwise bleak and desolate place. I cleared my throat, <coughs> nodded, and took him to the kitchen. He ate the noodles as if he had never eaten anything before in his life. He was starving, the poor man. Take it easy, Elijah. Best to enjoy it before all hell breaks loose, I told him. I'll have plenty of time to enjoy food after we get rid of this goddamn vampire, he said, then proceeded to obliterate the remaining noodles in one big final gulp. What do you mean by vampire? I asked. Well, I call him that. I don't know what he actually is. I just call him a sleep vampire. He crawls into your mind at night. He twists it and makes of it whatever he likes until he gets bored. 
and then you wake up, he explained, belching. Jesus Christ, I replied. He's not here tonight, chief. Not God, not Jesus, not even the Holy Spirit. We are on our own. This is the only shot we got. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You said you were going to tell me the story of what happened. To your father? Yeah. I'll just keep it short. Before the night he died, the vampire had visited him hundreds of times. In that aspect, consider yourself lucky. My dad lived with him almost every night. The last time, before it happened, Pops went crazy with alcohol. He drank two bottles of whiskey and went to sleep. Too bad. Alcohol only enables vivid nightmares, he said. He sighed and sipped on some water. God damn it, man. I'm sorry, I said. Wait, there's more. You know what the vampire did? He made dad go outside on the balcony and he climbed up on the railing. I heard him that night. He was imitating my dead mother's voice. His last words were, I miss you, honey. I'm coming. Then he leaped. I don't even know what to say. Except that we need to get this bastard before it's too late. I told him, squeezing his shoulder. Yeah. Can I ask you how you were seeing or hearing him if he didn't haunt you? Yeah. I think he got a kick out of the whole thing. I think he enjoyed the whole scene of me seeing my pop die. That's why he stepped out of the shadow for a few seconds and grinned at me. He was like a big dark shadow with red eyes and razor sharp teeth just floating in the air. His elongated fingers ended in claws. The grin he had on his face is etched forever in my mind. Since then. I have always slept with the lights on. I like to think the lights keep them away, you know? I can't imagine what you went through that night. One thing is for sure. I'm glad you're here tonight, I told him. Yeah. I know you want to ask about the mind reading thing and how I know he haunts you. I'll tell you what I think happened that night. I think he wanted to bond with me, you know? He wanted to be sure I'll never forget him. But I don't think he knows I can read minds. And I think that happened because of him too. When he went into my mind, he left a small door open for me to see into other people's minds. That's just my theory though. This is mind blowing. Holy shit, I said in awe. More like unholy shit. <laughs> then he told me how he met with priests holy men, witches, shamans, ghost hunters, and people who experienced supernatural events, and how he gathered information about the vampire. He told me the vampire didn't have a name, but that he might be the angry spirit of a man who didn't find his place on the other side. That twisted the man into a monster, and he came back, 
He lived miserably, conquered by hatred and evil. So, how do we stop him? Well, he said, patting his backpack. I have all the necessary ingredients right here. Salt, the Bible, a wooden cross, and most importantly, this glass box. It is said to be a powerful piece from dark, ancient times when demons, gods, and other things roamed the earth. It is said to belong to a powerful white wizard. He used it to trap evil spirits in it. A priest gave it to me long ago and said that I'll know when to use it, Elijah says. That man was full of stories. If I had even one ounce of talent, I would write a book about him. He was absolutely fascinating. Damn, now I feel like we're on a magic quest to stop the villain in a movie. Yeah, well, enough stories for tonight, Matt. If we're lucky and get out alive, we can chat all you like. But now things get serious, Elijah said, the lines on his face painted with unease. Tell me what I need to do. I will tell you about the sleeping ritual and its rules. It is imperative to remember them when you meet me again. The whole thing will feel like you're sleeping, but you'll be very wide awake and aware. The world will be different and you'll see a lot of strange things, Elijah said. I'm scared shitless, I admitted. I know, but if this works, you'll be free and he'll never haunt anyone ever again. I will place candles on every side of your bed and light them. It will serve as your safe spot. The candles will not last more than an hour. They never did when I tried to do this before. The vampire will try to use all your fears against you. He will show you people you have lost along the way. Do not trust anything except me and my voice. I will wait for him, patiently, in the shadows. There are 12 candles here. Whenever one of them dies, I will tell you. Then, I need you to sleep on your back and hold this cross in your right hand and the box in your left. Both are holy, and the glass box will trap him inside forever. After that, I need to figure out what I will do with him. That's a lot of things to remember, Elijah. You hit me with information from all sides, and I don't know if I'll manage to win this, I told him with a trembling voice. Listen, I won't tell you that we will win this. I'm not going to give you a motivational bullshit speech like you see on the internet. What I am going to say, though, is that if you manage to catch him inside that box, then you will never have to worry about him feeding off your dreams ever again. Got it? He asked, squeezing my right shoulder. Got it. And the salt? What's it for? I asked. Because he is not a regular vampire and more of an evil spirit of dreams, you can use it if you ever feel threatened. Just throw a fistful at him and it will make him weak for a few seconds. With him maimed, then you will stick the cross in his forehead to kill his mind. Then you open the box and the box will swallow him, Elijah concluded. All right, fuck, 
Did I tell you I'm scared shitless? You did. See you soon. Elijah instructed me to go and lay on the bed. He unzipped the backpack and took out the things needed for the ritual. He placed the candles on each side of my bed and lit them. He sat on a chair in a corner of the room, holding the Bible to his chest. He closed his eyes and began praying. I thanked him, and I could feel my eyelids getting heavy. I squeezed the cross and the glass box tight. I closed my eyes, and the sound of his voice grew distant as I gave into the silence of the darkness. I opened my eyes. I didn't know how long I'd been out for. I didn't even know if I was awake. Millions of particles of ash floated in the air. It smelled like burnt wood. Then I heard someone screaming. I turned around and my heart raced. I felt like something was very wrong. And there I was, back to the night when the fire happened. I was outside and I watched as the flames engulfed my parents' house. I heard mom screaming my name. Tears rolled down my face and I fell to my knees as I watched them both burn. Just like that night, he forced me to relive the memory again. I saw the silhouettes of my parents in the bedroom window. And behind them, there he was. Even though I couldn't see him yet, I knew he was there. I could feel him holding both my parents in place, and he loved to watch them burn. We both watched them burn. Hello, Matthew. Oh, how much I have missed you. Your parents have missed you too. Do you want to come here and say goodbye again? He whispered from behind the flames. I couldn't move. The house had been reduced to ashes with my parents in it. I remembered my mom's laugh. I remembered my dad fixing his car on a hot summer morning. Those memories would be the ones that I'd remember forever. Not this night. Not even if he wanted to torment me with this morbid nightmare. I needed to resist. I would catch him. You son of a bitch. What do you want from me, you fucking monster? What do you want from me? Haven't you tormented me enough? Haven't you played with my mind in every possible way? He laughed as the smell of burning, charring meat filled the air. I inhaled the stench of my dead parents, and it sickened me. I will see you soon, Matthew. I was able to move again. I turned around and found myself in the apartment again. Elijah was nowhere to be seen. I saw the door to the bedroom open and went toward it. I looked back and saw a candle was out, 11 more left. How ironic it was that the candle died at the same time as my parents. I got out of the bedroom. I'm sorry you had to see that. It took me a while to find my place here. He is near. Beware of him. He will show his face to you. I heard Elijah's voice saying, Where are you? I asked. I am waiting for him in the dark. I must stay hidden. Otherwise, he will just run away and escape. He doesn't know I am here, Elijah replies. I can feel him coming. Or maybe that's not him who is coming. God damn it. What? Something's coming in the hallway. You need to muster your courage and get outside of the apartment and see what it is, Elijah said. I must not speak for a while. I'll be watching and I'll let you know if danger is near. I got out of the room and into the hallway. I heard something trying to speak. Its voice was wheezy, like it was running out of breath. I didn't know if it was human or not. Help me, help me, 
it said. Then from the darkness emerged a tall figure. It was an old woman. She came limping toward me. She had wide eyes and black teeth. Bugs and worms fell from her mouth as she tried to speak. She pointed her long, brown fingernails at me. I wanted to say something, but I stopped. I remembered Elijah saying not to trust anyone but him and his voice. You don't need my help. You are fine on your own, I replied. She screamed, and her mouth grew bigger. Rivers of snakes, bugs, and worms cascaded from her mouth. A snake jumped on my boot, and I kicked it into the wall. It squirmed about, then ran away. The old woman didn't stop screaming. It was deafening. Why won't you help a poor old lady? She asked, her voice going up and down in pitch, like someone was controlling her with a mind remote. Fuck you, bitch! She crumbled to the ground, and from her nightgown, insects and snakes rushed toward me. They were faster than me. They reached me and engulfed me. I felt them crawling everywhere. I screamed and heard the vampire laugh in the darkness. A snake bit me, then a bug pinched my neck. A worm crawled inside my nose, and another bug was buzzing in my ear. I felt blood in my mouth. I tried to break free and get them off me. I blinked once, twice, and then they were gone. Oh, this is so much fun, the vampire said. I heard a gust of wind whooshing through the air, and I knew another candle had died. That fucking entity, or whatever he was, had the absolute pleasure of tormenting those he haunted. There, in that abyss of dread and sorrow, there seemed to be no escape. I was either trapped there forever, forced to relive bad memories from my past, or when the candles would die, I would die with them. There was no respect for human life there, all those monsters that the vampire summoned, all those abhorrent fiends that crawled in my mouth and ears and tormented me were but tools of destruction, destruction of the mind, of the soul, and everything in between. The hallway was different. I had only just noticed it, but it was altered. It was longer than before, and there was an obnoxious smell in the air. It smelled like spoiled milk and rotten meat. It was nauseating. I felt my insides twisting and my stomach churning. I wondered if I was dead and if this was some kind of hell. What if we end up in a familiar place after we die? What if the devil we know is made only from our fears and bad memories that need to stay away, locked in a cabinet in the darkest corners of our minds? I could sense the vampire. He was near. He had been watching me every moment. He stayed hidden in the dark, waiting to make his final move. I asked myself, what does he look like? After all these nocturnal visits that seemed to slow down time, after all the games he played with me over and over again, I knew I would finally see him. I was panic-stricken at the thought. I looked at the salt inside the glass box, and then at the wooden cross, and prayed to whatever gods would listen, asking for Elijah's plan to work. A door slowly creaked open. Weak, flickering light poured into the hallway. Even if it was dim and flickering, I needed to go inside. I didn't know what waited for me there, but there was no other way for me to go. I was drawn to the force inside like a moth is drawn to the light of an electric lamp. As soon as the moth touches the incandescent bulb, it pops and explodes into ash. I hoped this would not apply to me. He is not inside now, but you have to be very careful. He might appear at any second. 
It is imperative that you have all things ready, Elijah's voice whispered. My heart raced inside my chest. It felt like the soundtrack to the end of my life. Fingers crossed, I told the old man. I pushed the door open. The room was fairly small. The walls were peeling and it smelled like blood. The floorboards were rotting and worn with the passing of time. In front of me, there was another double door. It used to have two small windows, but they were gone now, broken into shards that lay on the floor. I walked through the door, glass crunching under the soles of my boots. I found myself in another room. The walls were painted black, and I saw the source of the flickering light, a light bulb that struggled to stay alive and light up the dark. What was interesting to see was the antique chair sitting in front of me. I think it's called a Chesterfield. The wooden parts looked like mahogany, and the crimson leather was some of the most beautiful I had ever seen. It had a footstool, too. A small gust of wind brushed across the back of my neck. I thought he had appeared behind me. He was breathing in my ear. I heard him smacking his lips against my ear. He was moving behind me and at my sides. He did it ever so slowly, just so I couldn't see him yet. He liked playing with me, that bastard. I felt my bones turn to stone. The subsequent despair that came from the vampire's presence around me filled my stomach with unending dread. Hello, Matthew, he whispered softly. I have missed you. My body began to shiver. The only thing that I could move were my eyes. I felt his hands touching me, slowly grabbing the back of my neck and moving forward. His grip got tighter. He squeezed hard and harder. I couldn't breathe. I gasped for air. His grip loosened. I managed to let out a please. Stupid of me to think he would stop. Oh, but I have not even started. Do you want to see me? He asked. Of course you do. His hands retreated. The room began to shake and the walls fractured. The light turned off, then on. Lights off, lights on, lights off. Then it flickered back on. On the chair, I could see a smoky silhouette taking shape. It was building itself from the legs up. Flesh came out of nowhere and molded itself on the body. Lights off. I heard the creature coming to life. It wheezed as if it was just learning to breathe. I closed my eyes and prayed that everything would be all right. Lights on. The body of a man stood before me on the grand chair. It was entirely made out of flesh. I trembled at the sight and hoped my death would be swift. The monster looked at me. Its teeth showed because he didn't have lips yet. The creature was assembling itself and forcing me to watch the entire process. Matthew, hang on a little while longer. It's almost done, the creature said. Its croaky voice mimicked that of a man. It went up and down in tone, as if it was losing its mind. This whole thing felt like falling into a dark abyss of despair and dread. Lights off. I heard bones cracking and the mushy sound of moving flesh. A groan, a scream. I was shaking in desperation, knowing that this might be the very end of me. My body was paralyzed again by fear, by anguish, by this monster that never let me go. He just waited there in the dark, watching my every move. Sometimes he got up and teased me, 
He did it so I would not forget he was there, and he would be there for a long time to come. The thing groaned, then wailed. The room trembled again. Matthew, I am almost here, Matthew! It screamed, its voice a cacophony of whirring metal and razor blades. I still couldn't move anything but my eyes. The darkness was pressing down on me like a thousand heartbreaks at the same time. The silence was heavier. It was as if the oppressor prolonged the tension and the fear for a few more seconds. It was feeding off of this. There was a voice whispering in my mind that there is only one more candle left to burn. Elijah? What happened to the rest of them? Did the hour go by so fast? The vampire's grip softened once again. I could breathe now. I collapsed on the floor, down on my knees, and gasped for air. I felt almost defeated. Lights on. I raised my head from the ground and looked at the grand chair. The vampire stood on it, grinning. His wrinkled white skin served as a memento of his old age. Maybe he was eternal. Maybe he was immortal. Maybe I couldn't win this fight and I would have to stay paralyzed whenever he wanted me to. He was wearing a ragged suit and tie. Red spots stained his white shirt, probably blood. He wore a long top hat with a hole in it. He tapped the sides of the chair. He had unnatural fingers, elongated and broken in places, twisted like little snakes. His nails were gangrenous, as if they were afflicted by the plague. I felt my insides twisting into knots. He blinked, but he had no eyes, only two dark, infinite holes. The skin on his face was loose and dangling. The grotesque abomination spoke again. Are you not happy to finally see me? He asked, cracking his neck. The sound reverberated throughout the room. It crashed into my ears like the raging waves of the sea against the shore. Happy? I replied, seething. How the fuck do you define happiness? Just look at what you're doing to me. You're keeping me locked in a cage, and its walls are made out of dread and paralysis. That's happiness to you? Oh, Matthew, you poor thing. You still don't get it, do you? He asked. Get what? This place here. This prison that you speak about. This cage. Everything is your own creation. This is your refuge. Where you run when things get bad. When the stress is too much for you to bear, you come here. When things are getting rough and you feel you need a break, you come here. You have high hopes each time you start this journey. You think you can defeat me, but I cannot be defeated. I am forever, he said. What are you talking about? Don't listen to him, Elijah whispered. He is trying to mess with your mind. This time I am here. I will help you win, and he will be forgotten. Even if he cannot be killed, he can be forgotten, and that is worse than dying for him. He can't see the wooden cross in the box in your hands. He is too hungry, and he will make mistakes. The vampire got up from the chair. He cracked his neck again, then his back. Those popping sounds made me shiver. Matthew, I miss you, beautiful boy. I heard my mom's voice. Dad's here too. Why don't you come to us? Have you forgotten about us? Don't you love us anymore? Mom, Dad, he promised he will let us be together if you come with him. We'll be happy again, baby. 
Just like back when you were a kid. Remember when I used to bake you the lemon pie you loved so much? I closed my eyes, and the room smelled like freshly cut lemons. Through all these miasmas of death and putrefaction, of broken minds and degeneracy, this was something that felt alive for once. I missed my parents. Snap out of it, Matthew, Elijah whispered again. I opened my eyes, and the vampire grabbed me by the throat. He raised me in the air, and I felt like slipping away into the void. Don't you miss your mommy and daddy, Matthew? Don't you want to join them in the flames? Oh, how beautifully they burned, he said, mocking me. Do it, Elijah screamed. What? Who is that? The vampire asked, looking to his right and left. That's my friend, you bastard. Take this. I threw salt in his face, then plunged the cross into his forehead. It cracked like an egg. The vampire screamed in agony, and it fell onto its knees. High screams were mixed with low, guttural ones. See you never, I told him, and threw the glass box open on the floor. He writhed and screamed. He was hurt, but I was too. I still felt his vicious hands around my throat, choking me. We got this, Matt. <laughs> Elijah exclaimed. The glass box was shaking. The vampire was turning back to smoke. The box taking him in. I dropped to my knees and felt at ease for the first time since this insanity began. I closed my eyes. The vampire was still screaming in pain, but I heard a whoosh of wind somewhere far away. The last candle, it was dead. I woke up screaming. My vision was blurry. I saw another silhouette and a small, bright white dot that moved from one eye to the other. I was still screaming as I felt hands trying to keep me in place. Calm down, calm down. Matthew, it's going to be fine. I heard a voice talking to me. Elijah? It's Dr. Moore to you, young man. Elijah is only for my friends. Though maybe you and I can be friends too one day, he said. My vision became clearer. I saw Elijah wearing a white doctor's coat and two orderlies that have my arms pinned down to keep me still. The room is padded and white. There's a small bed on the far side. Where am I? I asked, shocked. You came here a few days ago and said you had trouble sleeping. You said that you were seeing things and that something was trying to eat your dreams and kill you. You were in a severe state of shock and fear. I tried to calm you down and offered to help you. I had to put you under observation. I gave you sedatives. When you came here, there were hand marks all around your neck, and I didn't know if they were self-inflicted or if you had been involved in a fight, Dr. Elijah Moore explained to me. It was the vampire. He always tries to hurt me, turning every dream into a nightmare, I said, panting. Take it easy, Matthew. I don't know if he's gone. I mean, I woke up before making sure he's gone. The candle died, I told the doctor. He looked at me. When you went to sleep a few hours ago, there were no marks around your neck. Now you have some. But tell me, how do you feel now? Light as a feather, as if a huge burden has been taken off my shoulders, I told him. I looked at the doctor. He was practically the same man I met before, just not so disgusting. But I don't know if he's gone. I don't know if the glass box ever closed. Dr. Elijah Moore leaned in and whispered, Oh, he is gone. I promised I would help you get rid of him, didn't I? He looked at me and winked. Are you sure? 
Yes, I am. Oh, that's a relief, Doc. The doctor says I have to stay here a little while longer. At least I have access to my phone. That's good, because I'm able to write this, so I don't forget the events that happened. This place gets so quiet at night. Sometimes, I can still hear the cracking of the vampire's neck, but I know I'll be fine. All I have to do is go to sleep. <laughs>